0: date. I added one more show date to my calendar for July. On July 22nd, I will be at the Comedy Chateau at 8 p.m. for a show. That's on a Thursday. Comedy Chateau is in North Hollywood, so that's in Los Angeles. If you're in SoCal, please come and see me, and I would be very happy to see you. Today's July 4th. It's 4th of July, and I had lunch with a comedian friend of mine, over at Park's barbecue and she asked me about the whole We Spa situation. She was like, "I just want to get your opinion, like as a Korean, uh, like what do you think of the whole thing that went down?" I was like, "Well, I think if We Spa is letting trans folks go and be their trans selves, which is their true identity, their true gender identity, then I support We Spa." right like if we spa is saying like this trans woman is a woman and she has every right to be in the woman's bathroom in the women's locker room in the women's bath then i say that's okay you know and and the people who are complaining saying that that's not okay because there are children around it's like yo, if your kid is old enough to see vaginas and titties they're old enough to see some cock and balls all right And my friend goes, well, I feel like if this trans person was a post-op trans person, then yeah, they should be allowed to go in the women's room. And I said, no, because a lot of trans people can't afford to get surgery. There are a lot of trans people who can't risk their lives to get surgery. There are a lot of trans people who can't take hormones because they can't afford it, you know, or it's illegal or whatever. I don't think those kinds of barriers should prevent them from being able to live their full lives as the gender that they identify as. And then she goes, well, then anybody can just walk in and just claim to be trans and be whatever. And I was like, no, not everybody does that. Most people don't do that. And this comic that I'm talking to, she happens to be a black woman. And I said to her, I was like, look, it takes bold people to create change if we want our society to change then we need to rely on these bold people what this trans woman did it was bold you know and then i said to my friend i was like listen somebody had to sit at the front of the bus somebody had to do it somebody had to do that for the first time and that was bold for her right for rosa parks that was bold to sit in front of the bus because nobody else was doing it and to me Like, that's what this trans person did. I have been going through a lot of emotional uh, processing the past week. I did this GoFundMe campaign to raise money for my short film to complete the post production costs. And to my overwhelming surprise, shock, and gratitude, I was able to meet my goal within three days. And then on the fourth day, I had additional donations coming in even though I'd already met my goal. So I I closed my GoFundMe page on the fifth day because I already met my goal and people were now giving me excess support. And I just ended it because um, I, I didn't want to keep on adding names to my, long thank you credits list. Over 60 people donated. And I know that $3,000 and 60 some odd people doesn't sound like a lot. But for me, that's a lot. I am immensely grateful to everyone who donated. I am completely moved. I'm blown away. Like I was crying a lot during therapy talking about this experience. And you know, my therapist just said, you're blown away. And I was like, that is absolutely the correct phrase. Like that is appropriate right now. I was blown away. I was floored. I never really took the time to confront the fact that I have issues when it comes to my self-worth. I always knew I had this problem, but I didn't head on confront it and address it and this GoFundMe campaign was a great exercise in getting me to confront that issue with myself. It was also a great exercise in being aware and mindful of gratitude and not letting my mind wander into the other space, which is the negative space, the empty space, the the space where, how do you say, the the structured absence, as they put it in academia, the structured absence, meaning while I'm seeing all the outpour of love and support, I'm also seeing where people did not respond, where people did not give any money. And this includes some close friends of mine, friends who have money, actually. The irrational yet rational. The irrational yet rational pattern that I noticed is that the people who donated the most happen to be artists, namely comedians and illustrators and graduate students or people in academia, meaning the people who make the least money in our society, the people who are the most underappreciated in our society. And the people who have money, friends of mine who have money, they did not they did not add support to this campaign. Um, they didn't even write to me, like respond to my emails to say, hey, I wish you luck with this endeavor. And I feel like that's something that they could have done, even if they didn't want to donate money. They could have just written to me and said, I support you, I'm here. And that's because those people think that money is the only thing that matters. And that's why they're not artists. That's why they're not thinkers. Artists and thinkers are different. They're different specimen. They always will be. People who only think about money, they are not somebody that is ever going to be familiar to me. Like there will always be this gulf between me and people who only think of money. Money is just something that I need in order to get this vehicle complete. But the fact is I completed the majority of this film without a single fucking cent. In any case, with every donation that came in and every kind word that they, that came in, I was beating myself up about it. I felt shame, I felt guilt. I felt a sense of unworthiness and i had to i had to forcibly switch that code switch that in my mind i was like grace you only feel and think this way because you have a low sense of self worth you don't value yourself you have low self esteem you have abandonment issues you have fucking problems You know, so I had to like switch it. I had to like actively switch it. And the way that I did that is I said, I announced, I said, if you donate to this campaign, I am going to write you a personal email. And I did that with every single donor, I wrote them a personal email. I was fully present in that moment. I was writing as I was processing things that were actively occurring in my mind, as the as feelings were coming up, I was actively processing them together with the donor right? Because I'm writing to them. And I was working this stuff out. And, um, you know, like during therapy, I was hysterically crying at one point because I said, I don't have much to give. In terms of something to give, I feel like I don't have a lot. But the one thing I do have are my words. And I feel like I'm a decent writer. Like that's the one thing I worked on my whole life and i feel like that is all i can offer so i wrote to them the most heartfelt letter that i could write one with all of my heart my mind fully present and every single letter was unique like no letter was the same i did not copy and paste anything so I think I broke down, I started crying a lot during therapy while saying that because um, that to me was just this evidence that I'm coming to recognize or I'm coming to terms with my, my talents, you know, I'm finally giving myself that credit which everybody else has been giving me, but I have not been able to give that credit to myself. And I'm finally able to do that by saying, I'm a decent writer. I didn't say I'm a good writer. I didn't say I'm the best writer. I said, I'm a decent writer. Cause I worked on it. And that's all I have to offer are my words. And, you know, I was sort of thinking back on the days when I used to hang out with the same few uh, girls growing up and every Christmas I would write them a Christmas card and there was this one christmas i think it was the last christmas that the group all stayed together i did not give them a christmas card or or maybe the year before there was just one christmas where i did not give a christmas card and they all they all looked shocked they were like wait you don't have a christmas card for us i was like no i, I didn't write them this year and they were all just surprised and they were like sad that they didn't get one which At the time, I didn't understand. I didn't understand what the fucking problem was. But now, today, I understand what that was. They wanted my words. My words meant something to them. My words were a gift to them. So I am really, I'm still, you know, processing a lot of this stuff. I'm still processing the emotions, but um, I am immensely grateful to friends, to strangers, yeah? To colleagues, uh, people who gave, even though they they have a lot of financial precarity and difficulty. And so that's why I'd say it's irrational, but rational. It's irrational in that, you know, artists should not be the ones paying to help other artists because all artists are suffering. The ones who should be paying are these money-obsessed fucking idiots who lack compassion, who lack heart. All they have is money. All they think about is money. All they do is think about spending money. And they have no direction. I mean, they don't have the spirit that we do. So, yeah, seeing the backwardsness of my, my society and my systems, like, that's that's something that pissed me off so i'm trying to exercise that demon out of me because it's not worth thinking about it's not worth sitting on and that's always been the world that's always going to continue that's continue that's going to continue to be the case and to bitch and moan about how unfair all of that is is just not productive it's certainly not productive for them either for convenient reasons but for artists for me It's stupid to give energy and waste time and dwell on that shit. Because I got so much love from my community this past week and a half. And I am very, very grateful to everybody. So thank you, it was humbling. Even Renee, you know, Tajima Peña for Who Killed Vincent Chin. I mean, she donated. Come on, like. What do I have to complain about? I should shut the fuck up. Like a master filmmaker donated to my humble campaign and I finished the film. As soon as I got $2,000 I mean $2, in the bank, I paid my sound mixer immediately. And then I, she sent me the deliverables. I finished editing my film. I added the names that I could and then I, I submitted. I submitted to all the festivals that I wanted to so far. There are more festivals that are opening up in August and September and all the way to January and that's probably going to cost me another, you know, $700, but whatever, I'll worry about that later. But for now, I, I finished my movie, I paid my sound mixer, and I started donating to festivals and that's what matters, that's what counts. I did a lot this week. I did a lot of drawings, I wrote a lot of letters, I did a lot of journaling. You know, I I was, I was neglecting some of my academic stuff and I got some academic things that are burning right now. They're just burning a huge hole in my, on my desk at the moment. But, you know, I, I have to prioritize my feelings right now and I have to prioritize my inner being right now. I have to prioritize these feelings because I'm, I can feel things moving around and clicking and working. And, um, I've been obsessively listening to David Cho's interviews on podcasts. Like this past week, I listened to him on number 300 on Tiger Belly. I listened to him talk with Steve Young to Bobby Lee and Kalila and the the team. Um, And then right after that, I watched his interview with Joe Rogan, not the first one, but the second one, the one that he did last year around this time. And, um, yeah. And I watched all four episodes of the, of the Cho Show on FX. And I'm gonna, next week, I'm gonna review that one. Like next week, I'm not gonna do like a Korean language K-drama. I'm gonna do a Korean American K-drama called the Cho Show, which is not even it's not even a narrative. It's a variety show. It's a talk show. It's a podcast. It's a art project, it's performance art, it's therapy, it's everything. It's everything that I want in a show. And he did it. And I love that show so much. I watched all four episodes in like one day and um, cried a lot through every single episode. And um, I've been meditating on it a lot. I've been thinking about it a lot. And, you know, I want to give it the time that it is due. So I'm gonna dedicate next week's podcast specifically to the Cho Show and David Cho and what he means to me as a Korean American artist and woman. But today's show is called All About Eve. It is a South Korean K-drama starring starring Chaerim, Kim Soyeon, Jang Donggun, and Han Jaseok this came out in the year 2000 and if you guys don't know who kim soyeon is you do she's that crazy bitch that you see in penthouse (laughs) you know the one that looks like a witch the really beautiful one the one that looks evil she looks like the evil queen in snow white i think that's what kim soyeon looks like and i think she's a tremendous actress it's astounding to me how gorgeous Kim Soyeon is, even after twenty years went by, and she's like in her forties now. Is she, or is she like pushing forty? Whatever, like it doesn't it doesn't even matter. Like she's gorgeous, and um, she's an amazing actress. And in this show, all about Eve, Kim Soyeon also played like an evil bitch. <laughs> so she's she's typically typecasted as the evil one, but. I saw her in a in a Korean variety show uh, called How Do You Play with Yoo jae Hawk?" and she's actually very sweet. Like she's a really sweet, kind woman and she's known like in TV production in Korea for being like a genuinely kind person. So uh, it's interesting and ironic how she keeps getting typecast as this bitch but she is so good and all about Eve. Like she wreaks havoc everywhere she goes. Um, I I also like, while I was rewatching the show a few months ago, I was sort of thinking about how like orphans or yeah, like orphaned girls typically end up becoming like evil. Like this is like a trope. Like you're an orphan, you have abandonment issues or you were, you suffered a lot in life because you didn't have the protection from your parents. And so you just have like a totally fucked up heart or it's the opposite. Like you're an orphan and you are a perpetual victim and you could do no wrong. Like you're just super nice. You're always hardworking and you've, you've got the most straight morals ever. And so it's like these two extremes at all times whenever they're orphans. And I'm just like, what's with that? why is it like that? And I used to think that maybe it's got to do with like Korea's history of orphans and refugees and, and whatever. And I think that's true. I think that contextualization, I think that matters. I think that has meaning. But for me, what I actually think is, is like, it's for driving the narrative. It's for storytelling purposes, you know? I mean, it's a great, you know, character description to have an orphan and to determine what like which way she chose like did she choose to go evil or did she choose to go you know like fucking square right and um i think it's like this so i have a few friends who are creatives and a couple of them are like obsessed with their parents like they they can't stop talking about their mom or their dad or both and they always talk about them with such awe and admiration. That's all they do. And I tell them, I'm like, you're obsessed with your parents. You need to break away from them. And they're like, haha. Like, they think it's a joke, but it's not. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a real rite of passage to break free from your fucking parents. Whether it be a moment where you say, wait, I recognize their mistakes now. Fuck them. And they get angry and then they eventually get over it. Whether it's that or if it's just like... Oh, okay. I see the mistakes that they made. I need to move away from them now, or I need to get some distance from them now and find my own path, find my own voice. My own voice being the voice inside your head, the one that's always telling you what's wrong and what's right. The one that's guiding you all the time or the one that's judging you or, you know, the one that's, you know, uh, triggering self-doubt in you, whatever it is, get the parent out of your head. So I think that's what it's about, right? It's like, that's a real moment of crisis for an individual. It's a crisis for one's ego. And when you break free from your parents, that's when your actual life begins. The moment that you debunk your parents from your mind, right? And then you decide, I'm gonna be free. I'm gonna be my own person. I'm no longer my parents' child. I'm no longer my parents. I am my own self. And I think that's a critical moment and I think that's something that all artists need to go through. So when I see my artistic friends, my creative friends being obsessed with their parents, like I just kinda look at them like, well, I'm gonna be standing here waiting for you, you know, to cross over to the other side. Because I'm on the other side right now, doing other shit. Like I don't wanna sit here and listen to you being obsessed with your mom and dad right now. Which is not to say that, you know, you need to resent them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you gotta break free from them. Yeah, I actually had a weird dream the other night, and uh, I, I just want to talk about it because it was actually a really special dream. So, like, I, I didn't really smoke weed the past this past week because, like, I've been coughing up a lot of phlegm, and um, whenever I smoke pot or eat edibles, I can't remember my dreams, and my dreams are very special to me. Um, And I think it's a part of me processing a lot of these things. So I I decided not to smoke pot this past week. And um, I had this crazy dream where I was with my friend, Sam. Um, My friend, Sam, he lives in New York. Sam and I were at a hotel, at a very big, beautiful hotel. And we were looking out our window and there was another hotel facing us. And this hotel was very like ugly. It was like pink and green and like loud. The architecture tried to mimic European classical architecture, but it was like garish and gaudy and awful. It was like ugly. It looked like Vegas European art. And I was pointing at it, telling Sam, I was like, look how ugly that building is, you know? And he was like, what's ugly about it? And I was like, trying to be specific. I was like, well, look at the detail there, like under the window and everything detail I would point to before I could even say the insult like say the punchline say the point that point would change like it would it would morph in front of me in real time so whatever thing I was about to say would be moot so that judgment would no longer be applicable it was amazing what this building was doing and as this building was doing this it was giving me this lesson in my mind I was like oh I have no business insulting anybody's art. Who am I to insult any art? Because whoever made that, they are beautiful for making it. And they're courageous because they're emitting an expression. And that's something to applaud, not to insult. You know, I could just be like, that's not my cup of tea and leave it at that. I don't have to point specifically at shit and be like, look how fucked up this is. Look how stupid that is. Look how wrong that is. Like, that's not necessary. So in my mind, my subconscious was just like, Grace, you're leveling up, you know, why do the same old shit? You don't need to do that, Grace. You don't need to insult this building because you don't, you just don't need to. Like, insulting this building isn't going to make your friend like you anymore. He just likes you the way you are. He's already with you. You guys are hanging out together. You don't need to bring an extra thing to the table, whether it be an insult, whether it be a compliment, whether it be a gift, whether it be a complaint. You don't need to bring any of that shit. You are enough. I am enough. Right? And then my friend Sam goes, let's go upstairs but I felt this pull. I was like, wait, but I can't go upstairs with you. My mom's waiting for me at a different venue and I need, I need to go see her now. And he was like, it's just going to take a second. Just come upstairs with me. So I follow him upstairs, right? It was like this windy stair, like all made of wood. And it was like very, um, like, like uh minimal you know it was the opposite of that garish building it was very minimal very plain in fact it was almost dangerous it was like weak it was like not stable and i was like climbing up these stairs and upstairs like there were these squatters like a few squatters just hanging out you know they they didn't seem unhappy they were like just hanging out they were like being being real being present being there with one another and there was like broken furniture kind of sparsely spread out and there was like plaster and foam on the floor. It was like very dirty and dusty and I just didn't feel comfortable being there. I was like, oh, it's not clean here. The air is probably not clean up here, you know? And uh, I saw this big yellow foam and it was like covered in shit. It was like shit stained foam. And I looked at it and I was like embarrassed looking at it. I was like, man, that's embarrassing. I, I-, I, should-, I should remove that from here. And then Sam picks it up and he looks at me, and goes, you don't have to worry about this. Why are you embarrassed by this? This isn't yours. This isn't your responsibility. Don't be embarrassed by this, you're okay. And I felt such gratitude, you know? And um, I thought it was a beautiful dream. Like I learned a bunch of lessons from that dream, like three huge lessons. And uh, I, I sketched it as best I could. I kind of drew it out the best I could. And then I wrote it out. And then i texted sam yesterday i was like i had this dream about you can i share it with you and he was like yes tell me about it so i texted it to him and he was like that is a good dream and i'm glad i was there with you and i thought that was like the perfect response so you know honestly the reason why i'm also like really fucking emotional this past week is because i got my period today so like hormones do have they do play a role Um, and you know what? Like I, I hate on my period every single time it happens. Like I have jokes about periods and how much I fucking hate it. But honestly, it's like, if this is what it takes for me to get really in touch with my feelings, then that's fine. That means every month I have this opportunity to really get close to my feelings and, you know, give myself space and time to process things and grow. And if that's the case, that's fine. That means that anybody who menstruates has the gift they have the gift. They have the gift to evolve faster. That's all that means. The person I'm going to talk to today is a hilarious individual. She has a big heart. Her name is Rachel Abrams. She's an LA comic. And I saw her a few days ago at the Hollywood comedy and she was cracking me the fuck up. Like she was so funny. She, um, there was like a new joke that she had written and and i guess like she was sort of like riffing on it like you know like free thinking it on stage and she got to this one point and she didn't have a punchline for it it was just like a really sad admission and and i just i was dying laughing like sitting in the back because i i understood what was happening there um but like nobody else understood like i got it you know because like i know rachel like i know her her comedy style and like I, I I recognized what was happening as a fellow comic and when she sat down I was just like dying laughing and then she the other thing she asked me was like what's a BTS and I was just like I just told I was like just turn around like I can't even talk to you right now because I'm just writing a five minute set about you asking me that question at, in this moment and I did I did write a a joke it's not five minutes it's like 30 seconds but i did write a joke about her asking me who bts is like lord have mercy i mean how many more times does the new york times have to write about bts for you to know who bts is they've been on the cover of time magazine like people in this on this earth know the mem- the names of the members of bts better than they do who kamala harris is i mean that's the truth that's the sad fucking truth but I love Rachel because she's very funny and she's really intelligent. And she is in the history of K-drama school. Never has there been a guest who asked me more questions during flashcard questions than Rachel Abrams. She interrupted and asked me so many questions about the show's plot and the characters motivations. Like, she was thorough as hell. I mean, she should have been like a microbiologist. Why is she a comedian? Like, her attention to detail is like, it's astounding. It's astounding. Um, But like, that makes her lovable to me. That makes Rachel lovable. And I had a lot of fun talking to Rachel Abrams. And we're all very lucky to be listening to our conversation. (laughs) So let's, let's talk to Rachel Abrams.
1: Ooh, I like your studio.
0: Thank you. It's my closet. Great. Yeah. Do
1: you Have a window in your closet? Is that a window?
0: No, it's a it's a closet. Hundred oh. <laughs> percent a, a closet. There are no windows here.
1: Uh, I yeah. used to have like something that looks like that, like accordion thing you have. Uh huh. I used to have something like that that were like blackout shades.
0: Oh wow! So I thought, yeah. Mm. Why Can did you need hear blackout? Me okay? Yeah, I could totally hear you great. Cool. Yeah, why did you need uh blackout shades?
1: Um, we used to Peter and I used to live in this apartment where we were right by um like the parking lights, and oh. so he was like sensitive to
0: that. Okay. He's
1: like you have to sleep in the dark and like get your circadian rhythm. He's like one of those.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your husband is a very um is he like a SoCal native?
1: No, um we're both from Marin, like just north of San Francisco.
0: Oh, okay. So you're California natives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're very like fitness oriented, mm-hmm. very goal oriented, like that's your mm-hmm. that's your husband. Eye on the ball. Mm-hmm. That kind of guy. Outdoorsy. Yeah. That's good. Are you outdoorsy?
1: Um I feel like I've been like forced into being outdoorsy. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like if you do it so much you start to believe maybe you like it, but it's like <laughs> <laughs> So he's gaslighting you
0: into uh believing that you're outdoorsy?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just say like that's how I uh got him to marry me, but now I like don't have to fuck with it anymore. Anyway. Yeah.
0: You could just be you yeah right which is are you a couch potato what are you homebody
1: i would just like rather like rather than going camping i'd rather go to like a cool city or something you know Mm, yeah yeah.
0: camping is also
1: like affordable travel um sure what city
0: yeah what city would you like to go to
1: i really want to go to new orleans when covid's
0: over oh shit yeah yes i have not but like i was totally thinking like yeah she'd want to go to like one of those places like (laughs) like new orleans or like like some city and like i don't know like how do you say where else i don't know like like new mexico somewhere you know i could see you
1: yeah i I went to um taos yeah yeah
0: I only learned about, like, of Taos. Like, I didn't know what it was. I only, like, learned of it recently through, like, like a very artsy, like, hippie kind of person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like that, but we, so another hobby that Peter forced me into is skiing. Oh, great. Um, so that was on, like, this past, we had, like, a couple days in Taos. So I was like, nice. that's the one I want to go to. Like, I don't yes. know if skiing's that great, but it's yeah. dope spot.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I went to a Big Bear Lake like mm-hmm. for the weekend and there, was, yeah. there were like a lot of skiers there. Um, did you learn how to ski like as a child or as an adult? Oh,
1: no, that's why I really dragged my feet on skiing. Because um, I feel like if you don't learn as a child, you don't really have that innate desire or talent.
0: Well, the thing is, I learned as a child. I learned when I was like in fourth grade, but as I got older... I got scared of skiing. And I don't know why, oh, okay. like nothing yeah. nothing happened, you know? Like when I was a kid, like, you know, they give you the lessons like for, for 45 minutes or whatever. And you just yeah. like learn the basics. And then yeah. they put you on the bunny slope and they say, go ahead on the bunny slope. But like my friend and I, we're, we're fourth graders. We're like nine or 10 years old. We somehow ended up like on the green slopes, like the intermediate kind of slopes. And yeah. we were just fucking skiing. Like we were yeah. fine. It was super fast, you know, like yeah. super intense, but we, it was like a joy to be there. But like but green I, is
1: easy. Oh, is it easy? Green oh, okay. Is the
0: easiest one. Oh, okay, okay. Shit. Okay, so is it green?
1: <laughs> no, you're on the, you're probably on the intermediate
0: blue. one. I'm I was, I was on a, I was on a slopey, I'm sure like. You're on a blue. I, okay, maybe I was on I'm a just blue. Being a yeah. It was like very, Um, it wasn't the bunny slopes. Like we saw, like yeah, yeah. we yeah. just, Took a turn somewhere. It didn't, we, it was an accident. We ended up on like bigger slopes where there weren't many people and there were yeah. no children. There weren't any yeah, yeah. kids. We were just there and like, a, you know, and we were just kind of doing it. But like as I got older, like the steeper slopes like freaked me out. Even like on the bunny slope where there's like a, like a, like a steep incline, like I would be freaked out. Like when I was in high school or whatever, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I just stopped, it's got to stop skiing. Like-
1: I feel like it's a mental thing because you yeah. have more like awareness of what can go wrong. Also, mm-hmm. you're taller, so it seems like a higher drop. When it's I go there, just like little kids whizzing past me, no fear.
0: It's I'm emasculating.
1: So
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I think it is a mental thing because yeah. Again, when I was a kid, it was fine, but as I got older, I don't know. Like you just build fears and like. Yeah, these kinds of defenses, and I don't know what happened.
1: I think for me, it's like it's like um to get over that, it's like a one beer rule because uh, if I have one beer, I feel like a little bit more like oh, I can do this, but more, more adventurous, than that, and it's gonna be detrimental to my skiing. <laughs> okay,
0: okay, so one beer, <laughs> hit the slopes, got get it. Out of your head a little bit, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, that's a that's a good idea. Yeah, I guess because when I was in high school, I wasn't drinking beer. Um, yeah. But, yeah, maybe I could, like, I don't know, like, smoke a little pot and then go yeah. skiing. A lot yeah. of stoners out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, shit, okay. All right. So, okay, that's great. That's great that, like, you adapted to him. I guess you really like the guy a lot to, like, really meet him where he's at with all the activities and shit.
1: Yeah, I really feel like I need to get my payback because I'm, <laughs> yeah. like, what hobbies did did you have to do for me like you can come watch a comedy show like uh-huh that's a gift for you you know what i yeah. mean and then he's yeah. like he's like well what do you want me to do like watch tv and go shopping <laughs> i was like hold up <laughs> but then it's like so true that i don't have like all these hobbies
0: <laughs> yeah yeah wow that is yeah what a burn yeah
1: no, the, yeah. The sick burn. Yeah.
0: You don't do anything like you don't have things like that. I mean, well, you do yoga? I mean, that's fitness, I suppose. If, that yeah, would be something I don't, he would like, like.
1: Love yoga though. Like he's so excited about doing. These okay. Things.
0: Yeah, it has to be something that he wouldn't necessarily enjoy.
1: Yeah. So I know? tried to make him sign up for an improv class because that felt. Oh fair.
0: my god. <laughs> what did he say to that?
1: Nope.
0: No. No wow
1: the hard path he's an engineer though so i feel like it would be good i was like maybe it would you guys be. can all go in on like a corporate yes improv seminar. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how improv people make money yeah.
0: it is i feel like it's required you know yeah. for people in the stem fields to understand like to get down with the arts and humanities shit you know like Totally. Like a little bit, you know, like we all fucking had to take a science class and a math yeah. class. I hated yeah. it. I was like this bullshit. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. I hate everybody here. I hate doing this. Um, you know. And in English, like what they just read a book. It's like the same few books like every single year, nothing's changed. But you know, I don't know, like we still have to kinda do math. You know? Yeah. Like we have to do math when we go to the grocery store, when we pay rent, when we yeah. count calories, whatever the fuck, yeah. you know? <laughs> They don't. They don't have to like integrate like a little bit of painting into the, into That's the week, so true. or it's like improv.
1: Y- yeah, because it's like hmm. I took calculus. By the way, you can wipe six apps off. It's not like I'm asking a lot.
0: <laughs> wow. Calculus, like full on calc, not like pre calc.
1: No, I took calculus, but in high school, and then I never took math
0: again. Wow, you're so lucky. I. Yeah could not when it, like i was like fine up until algebra and then mm-hmm. geometry started happening and i lost it i was like mm-hmm. i don't understand any of this shit it's like yeah. what is happening and then they were like after you know geometry is going to be like trig i don't even yeah. to this day i don't know what trig is i have no idea Isn't and then
1: the same as pre or is it different? yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah I, okay. I suppose like all of that was just like foreign to me it's like a foreign language i was like i'm never gonna get this And then, yeah, in college, I had to take a pre-calculus class, and I did my very, very best. Like I studied my ass off, and I got a C plus. I never
1: college is not that bad, though. I never got it.
0: Never, never understood. And there I was thinking, I can, I can figure it out, and I could take. what's that qu- like I could take a physics class you know because I was a philosophy minor and I was like I should take physics because it's very philosophical and the professor was like you're an English major and you're here and I was like yeah I could do this And he's like okay <laughs> and he starts writing stuff on the board and he starts talking and I was like I do not belong here like I left like less than you five minutes it. of yeah. course I had no yeah. business being there I got a C C plus <laughs> in pre-calculus come on come on Oh, that's interesting, though. Okay, what did you study in college?
1: I studied film.
0: Oh, nice! Like film yeah. production or critical studies?
1: Um, it was kind of like whatever you wanted, so it was just like production and theory.
0: You oh, know, sweet. Kind
1: of put it together how you want, and then I started oh, wow. in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Why did easy, you? Easy stuff to easy stuff uh, to study.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: No, I liked the mark. It was like integrated marketing communications, and I was like, I should do something in addition to film. Uh-huh. And they're pretty cool because the classes yeah. were like, like we took like consumer insight. So it's like kind of the psychology of consumers. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. But um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting combination.
1: You were English and philosophy. philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you
0: go to school yeah. in California? No. <laughs> I'm in school in California now at UCLA, but. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah.
1: I felt like I heard, like I yeah. heard you yeah
0: no i uh i went to hunter college in new york for a little over a year and then i couldn't do the public school setting thing so i transferred to pace university um and that was a good move a good decision on me because like the professors were very supportive and i was like a i was like a mess in college i don't know about you but i was like I was a shit show. I was a walking shit show. Like what kind I, of shit show? like I drank so much. It, oh. Like you know, I know <laughs> people are like, oh yeah, you know, college kids, they binge drink, but you know, like, like privileged kids would binge drink. You know, like if they're like living in a dorm and they don't have bills to pay, then okay, like, and they don't have a job. Their only job is to just study and be a student. Fine, but I was like working, you know, like yeah. multiple days out of the week, and yeah. I was just shit faced like all the time but when it came to my studies i was like so on top of it like i needed like some kind of control and it was that like minus the calculus i mean that i sucked yeah, at, yeah, yeah. but like everything else like it was like you know i passed with flying colors and like well that's like, good oh, wow. it's like yeah fine
1: and...
0: <laughs> yeah well i mean i don't know if that's fun I, those yeah. were dark days i don't know i, I don't yeah. think of college as like a bright happy fun time it was dark I don't know how do you look back on it yeah
1: I agree I feel like college has this like you think it's supposed to be super amazing and that's all anyone tells you but Mm -hmm. I was ready I graduated a quarter early like I was ready to be done with college Mm -hmm. Um, and I made a lot like a lot of my good friends are from college but I don't have any desire to go back it's not yeah, like what I think of as my fondest time. Sure, yeah. and I went to a like a fun, like a good college, and it was. Where'd so you I, go? It was cold. Um, I went to Northwestern.
0: It's an excellent uh, school. Yeah, actually, um, one of my faculty mentors is a Northwestern alum. Do you know John Caldwell? No. You heard of him? Mm-mm. Nah. If he studied film theory, you wouldn't know. Well, he did, he's more television studies, but um, oh, he's a cool professor at my school at ucla currently and yeah he's a proud northwestern alum
1: for, for undergrad
0: i think he went to northwestern for his phd actually oh um,
1: could've, i could have like taken a class from him
0: it's possible actually no he um he's been at ucla for a long time so yeah probably not and yeah. cal state and shit like that but yeah he's he's cool he's like a documentary filmmaker and a really brilliant scholar, so he like kind of straddles both worlds. Um, I don't know if like you've encountered this, but like, I don't know, like since you studied both theory and production, like, I feel like uh, because I I also do production as well. I worked in production. I worked in distribution stuff, but like, oh, um, yeah. like I made a short film, like a short documentary film. And, you know, I'm I'm getting feedback from, like, colleagues and stuff. And the people who are filmmakers uh, offer very drastically different feedback and notes from, like, film scholars, let's say. Like, I feel like the film scholars, like, they're just so much more, op- they're almost too open-minded, you know? It's like yeah. anything and everything is like, oh, yeah, yeah, that- I could see why that's there like yeah. mentally they, yeah. they, they're they okay whereas the filmmakers are like this doesn't make any sense for you to do this you know like there's so many rules in their minds you know yeah. but at the same time possibilities like this is a potentially different possibility or is it just maybe opinions then or do taste
1: do you think it's like more of a commercial lens versus a more like scholarly or artistic lens hmm. Or is that not part of it? Yeah,
0: maybe. Maybe. That could be it. I think that has something to do with it. I think it's more about, like, yeah, maybe commercial is correct. I think it's more about, like, um, getting the audience to understand. Like, their, like yeah. filmmakers are a little bit more attentive to the audience's needs. Yeah. Whereas maybe. the scholars are, like, you know, they've seen such weird movies that they're, like... Oh open to anything and everything they're like yeah that's fine that works still in my mind you know maybe that's it Mm. yeah totally okay yeah I
1: did um that reminds me I did a quarter in London and I took like film classes there that were like scholarly type yeah and oh my gosh they hated Hollywood so much like I took this (laughs) world cinema class and I was obviously I was already a little embarrassed to be American in London but then (laughs) They were just really, just like Hollywood was like you kind of like whisper it with like a frown, you know. It's not, oh wow! So I was wow. like, oh yeah, no, next, next, uh, next quarter I'm gonna go intern in L.A. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. How did they take that?
1: Interesting. Yeah. No, I didn't share that. <laughs>
0: oh god, you should have. You know, I would have been like in their face about it. Be like, that's yeah. right. I'm gonna go to L.A. to Hollywood yeah. to Some intern. Of us Yeah. To intern at an unpaid job. That's right. I'm going to do it. (laughs) They're going to make shit films. That's right. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Just get up all in their face about it. You know, like I get that. I understand. I could see from both angles, though, like I could see um, the draw to Hollywood because I mean, I feel like Londoners would just hate on Hollywood like as Europeans, you know, like hating on yeah. Hollywood as a European is like the yeah. thing to do, right?
1: Also because a lot of the students in class were just from other European countries. Cause yeah, like if you're EU, you can study all over. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, Europe yeah. in many ways, they are better than us. You know, I don't blame, I don't blame them. them. I, a hundred, they are fucking better. They all speak more than like two languages. You know, they yeah. traveled the world like since they were fucking okay. toddlers, like they are better. In they a lot a of ways. Before college. Yes. And, and then they like, um, what was I going to say? I don't even remember. They take a break They take a before,
1: break before college. college. They use the metric system. That's what I was going to say.
0: Metric system, yes. They use public transportation. <sighs> Celsius, all of that, you know, yeah. military time. Uh, They learn stick shift.
1: You know, like, they Yeah. <laughs> they stick are... shift. I don't there... know how to drive stick shift. You. Really?
0: Yeah. You're so lucky. Is it because you had a family car that was a stick shift? Um, Peter's old car. Peter had two old cars that were stick shifts. So if I wanted so to use. So Peter it, taught cars... you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah.
1: My dad did have a stick shift car, but like I wasn't allowed to drive it. He had like a. See,
0: thing. this is but... the fucked up thing. Like, I feel like as daughters, you know, we get the shorter end of the stick sometimes because like, since we're girls, they just assume that we wouldn't be suited to learn how to drive (laughs) a stick shift or learn how to drive a van. You know, like, I remember uh, this was like, like a year after college. I was, you know, I was hustling in New York, like working internships and production jobs, whatever. Yeah. I was offered a production job for a commercial and it was going to be paid really well. And they were like, all you have to do is like uh, you have to be able to you have to know how to drive a van. My parents have a van. I could have learned. And I was like, I just I was like, OK, just give me the weekend. I'll figure it out and I'll come back. And I go to my parents. and I was like, can you teach me how to drive this van? And my my fucking mother says to me, you know, women shouldn't drive vans. I'm like, you're a lady. You know how to drive a fucking van. Like, you had to learn how to drive a van. You know, like, why wouldn't you fucking pass this knowledge on to your daughter who can go and make some money from Samsung? Like, that's fucked up, you know?
1: (laughs) Wait, I'm being so naive. But if someone asked me if I knew how to drive a van, I would just be like, yeah, it's like a car. It's, a whole different thing.
0: it's just like a car yes but it's longer you know you're higher up so since like the back is so much longer you have to like know how to like time and angle you know like oh. it's slightly different i mean i should have done what you know i should just winged it like you you know be like
1: well, i don't know i've been in a few fender benders
0: uh, okay yeah maybe not then yeah um yeah and like learning teaching your daughter how to drive stick shift like she would be able to travel the world and rent cars anywhere on the planet you know like That's true. um like our generation of kids like with the automatic vehicles like we just like lost out you know we just really like we got fucked actually you know like
1: Although I feel like I didn't have a desire to learn stick shift. It seemed really, like, you did it.
0: it didn't seem cool to you. It looked so fucking cool to me. That was like the biggest draw. It looked as cool really, as smoking.
1: It's really, it can be really hard. Cause after I learned on Peter's car, I tried it on my dad's car and it was like different and I couldn't do it. Hmm. But also you like not new ones apparently, but old ones you roll back if you're on a hill and it's so scary.
0: That sounds terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually a legit fear of mine. Um, I mean you lived in northern California so I don't know I mean I don't know was it hilly where you were I know San Francisco's very hilly Yeah it
1: was hilly I lived on a hill
0: Yeah that's freaky as hell like yeah. even when I'm at a red light on a hill and there's a car behind me I'm like oh, yeah. sweating no, bullets Yeah I'm like please back the fuck up I will hit you like backwards yeah. you know and you're going to be at fault right yeah. Um so yeah I totally understand oh, that sounds terrifying but um no I I was in Mexico I was renting a car and you know, like it's Mexico. Everybody's very slow and lax and you know, it's like, ah, it's, it's okay. Like there's no rush, but you know, like I grew up in New York. I'm all about like efficiency. Yeah. Like, why is this taking an hour and a half to just rent one vehicle? <laughs> and then the guy pulls the car up and I get in and it's all stick shift. And I look at him and I'm like, bro, <laughs> I don't know how to drive this. And he's like, okay. So we have to go back in the, oh my, another 45 minutes. No. Yeah to get an automatic and it was more expensive man so
1: yeah they have it just for the americans
0: they i think he did it just to fuck with me yeah yeah he <laughs> did it on purpose like this american bitch let me waste her time a little bit yeah. today you know yeah i get it so uh did you like make any films
1: yeah i did i feel like i kind of just like straddled straddled the production a little bit but didn't really do a great job you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but I so what did I make it's like you do the intro production class everyone makes little films and groups and then I did I did some more like producing stuff later on um, yeah just little films for classes but I didn't do like a senior thesis or anything like that
0: I could Um, see you being a good producer yeah
1: yeah it's just like I, I just didn't like I feel like all the like technical little like nitty gritty. Uh, how why how do I get this camera to like? Which I guess isn't the producer's job, but I remember yeah. in the classes like how do I get this camera to do what
0: I want? Yeah, the um, stick shift part of the filmmaking.
1: Exactly. Ooh. Yeah, you were not into Good. that. Made a bumper sticker. <laughs> well, to <a> film students.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could tell like which kids are going to end up being the stick shift kids or. Which kids are going to be like, you know, the, t- the talky kids, you know, logistics yeah. and yeah. which kids are going to be like the directors or the writers, you know, you could kind of see. Right.
1: Well, that's why I went into development after college, which I feel like is probably like the most half-assy <laughs> going to film because it's like, hmm. uh, I'm not going to do production, but I'm not going to write, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to straddle the middle and, and just kind of tell everyone mm-hmm. kind of what to do, mm-hmm. but not fully get any real, you know, tangible, like, making anything. Mm-hmm. I felt like development was a very middleman area, which is why mm-hmm. I didn't end up liking it. Mm. But I think it, like, drew me because I was like, I don't really know mm. where I fit in here.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No development is a very important stage but it is the most like in flux stage and yeah. right yeah. like it's like the money part it's like the the getting the team together part it's the yeah. telling the screenwriter to change everything part <laughs> right yeah. like yeah
1: totally. that
0: that part that aspect does seem vicious yeah
1: yeah it is it is interesting because Some people are, like, so good at it, but it's not necessarily something that a lot of people learn specifically. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. It does. Um, UCLA's MFA program in the film school does offer development classes. And I took one because those were the least popular classes. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it was essentially that, like our professor was this guy who works at new line or uh-huh. he worked at new line when it was still yeah. you know a thing yeah. um, a company i very much respect you know like i love their films right um yeah. but yeah he was like your job as a producer in development is to essentially um, give notes to the screenwriter and like make suggestions, recommendations on what to change. And if you don't say anything, then you're doing it wrong. And I was like, oh, sounds awful, you know, means that you can't accept anything for what it is, you have to change it. And I was like, what if you have nothing to change? What if you're like a film scholar and you're like, this is a perfect screenplay. I, I see, I understand. Go with it. What if what if that's the case, you know? but he's like nope it's that's never going to be the case you have to offer some kind of change and i was like okay
1: that doesn't really make sense to me especially because i feel like it is the case that most development people would have something they would want to change but mm-hmm. at least i like where i worked i felt like at least they prided themselves on like cultivating writers voices so it was more mm-hmm. like their respecting their vision that's like Mm -hmm. to me the best the best way for development to work
0: yeah i agree yeah i mean i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm putting it like maybe too uh
1: but it was it was
0: like that he was like it sounded more about like like performance it sounded very performative he was like if you're at a meeting and you're quiet meaning you're not contributing and not saying what should be changed then um you're gonna stand out but in the bad way. And I was like, fuck. So this is all just about performance. Like, just say something even though you have nothing to really say, right? Like, that's encouraged. Yeah, I would almost argue that that's
1: not good. Yeah. if you're saying something just to say something, then you're diluting your voice, and people aren't going to want to listen to you when you have something you want to say. And Mm -hmm. people are going to just you're going to give development people a bad name as giving
0: like fake notes (laughs) i agree i agree and i think that did give developing development producers a bad name you know like i mean that's like every screenwriter's nightmare they're always like bitching about producers who gave them horrible notes and they talk about it but you know it's like that kind of culture is encouraged in the development meeting rooms to an extent or maybe it was just at that particular company that he was at i mean who knows i mean there's office cultures so everywhere. So I mean, you left development.
1: What?
0: So you left development and you never went back?
1: Yeah, I mean, like as I said, I was just an assistant. So I, I didn't even like, I wasn't even in those meetings. But um, But
0: you had no desire to like be upwardly mobile and become one no, of those development producers? I
1: feel like it's pretty, it was pretty all consuming. And I just realized I wanted to do something more creative. Because sure. I originally started college as like a theater major so I was super creative Uh, and then when I like switched into film I just got less and less and I missed that Uh so at a certain point I just like saved my money and then quit yeah (laughs) but um which is an interesting choice in retrospect but um okay just kind of like work on creative things I like thought I wanted to write um I'm not great at like sitting there for hours (laughs) writing (laughs)
0: And that's when I I'm noticing a pattern thing. here, like <laughs> yeah. your philosophy in life is like take the easy way always, <laughs> no. like always take the easy way a hundred percent of the time. You know, no, like harsh. that's what sort of what no, I'm I noting. You did take calculus, remember? You did take calculus. That is that was like the the one anomaly in terms of yeah, like the the I pattern, but um, variety. yeah. like so, yeah, I did like film development because that's like it's like the most chill one, like. <laughs>
1: I think I thought I think I thought that film development was the best of both worlds Mm -hmm. and I just found it to be passive Mm -hmm. so that I felt like I wasn't doing anything if that makes sense
0: okay yeah no I I get that I think I get that I mean I don't know I think um, working from the bottom up in any in any kind of aspect of this industry is, um, yeah, it's an unhappy time. Like you're just going to be unhappy. I think like, yeah, it's just how it is. Can you hear me? Oh, now I can. Oh, okay. Was it frozen for a second? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's not your fault, <clears throat> but okay. So, um, so now you're just, um, just um mrs peter and a stand-up comic and working at the hollywood improv right
1: um yeah i was working at the hollywood improv which i really liked um and then and i and i do like freelance script notes like for the blacklist oh okay like developmenty
0: that is that's great okay so you do work in the industry still film industry yeah kind of that's cool
1: but um yeah, I hope hope soon I can go back to the improv.
0: Yeah, I noticed that on Saturday they were like doing something on the patio. Yeah, they, um,
1: they're open for um, drinks and then I think they're doing like some kind of open micy thing out there. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been yet.
0: You haven't been going to the, the improv Tuesday open mics. I noticed. Have you been going? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I
0: keep meaning to. I should. <laughs> it's been like... like a year, dude. <laughs>
1: I, I was surprised because
0: yeah. you were an employee there. I was like, oh, I thought Rachel would be here.
1: I have been before.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And instead, I see you at, like, Hawaii's open my like, consume. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to, like... I just feel like on that one I was on Zoom for so long. Mm-hmm. The improv one.
0: You oh know yeah. What I mean? It's a bit long. Yeah. Especially Hawaii. when Jimmy Calloway hosts it. It becomes like three, four hours and it's like, whoa.
1: <laughs> oh geez. And then you're like, can I leave? I don't know if I'm allowed. But dude, the Hawaiian mic, that was just me setting my roots for my Hawaiian comedy tour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thank God Rachel's here. Um because it was such a nightmare like that was it was um yeah my worst nightmare like because I, right, but- I i'm efficient like i like to just do the mic leave oh yeah when people you know chat. Uh-huh. when they talk about that. this i'm like for the love of god spare me because even when it comes to my closest friends when i'm not in the mood and they want to talk me up about their whatever's i'm like i i start to you know like check out or I start to get irritated but these are like complete strangers and they're talking about their divorce and la la and I was like yeah you know couldn't take it say,
1: something that was really heartwarming was how earnest they were you yes know, like they hadn't they hadn't gotten jaded like you and I are just chatting about like I don't even know, like something dark. <laughs> like they're just talking about how comedy brings their life meaning, you know.
0: Oh, they were saying things. <laughs> that I wasn't even listening. I was like so checked out. Like they probably were yeah. Um, I mean they so, were yeah. they were like good people. I'm not yeah. uh this wasn't like um
1: What if they're huge fans of your podcast and they're listening? Oh uh, yeah.
0: Well if that's the case then um no, still fuck you. Like that was a big <laughs> fucking <laughs> wasted my time like it could have been 30 minutes and it carried on for like over an hour and I was like no it's not okay especially when there were like four women come on there's like four people we could have been like it could I have know, been 20 you minutes you log
1: on and you're yeah. like oh my god there's only four people thank God yeah and then it's just like okay yeah. why am I still here an hour and a half later yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah. no but it was funny like later um when you like we were on another thing and you mentioned Hawaii and I was just dying laughing because <laughs> I had completely forgotten about that quote-unquote Hawaii trip. I had erased it from my memory because oh my it was so God. awful and then um, I was just hysterically laughing because you would think like Hawaii is like such a great place, you know and that was yeah. literally the worst Hawaii trip ever, like so what you're saying via not Oh, so what you're
1: saying is I shouldn't base my Hawaii tour around that comedy scene
0: oh no that's not what i'm saying at all oh wait i meant hawaii like as teasing. a place as like a.
1: I know i'm just teasing <laughs> oh,
0: okay i didn't get that okay, <laughs> so yeah. maybe um rewrite Let's that one take that I... Back to the notes. or i need to rewrite my brain or something yeah i'm a little brain fried right now um
1: who isn't that's also why i can't like my tolerance for zoom open mics is very
0: low right now yes so. i understand that yeah have you been doing a lot? No, I would, the only consistent one I was doing was the Hollywood Improv one. But I didn't go in the last three weeks because I had other things to do. Um, yeah. And I was just a bit disoriented overall. Uh, but yeah, that would w- like a shit bag. Okay, I need to-, I need to I've been to doing that, that pretty consistent. Um, I, I would do their Friday, right club things too. I had my own right club thing going. But um, you know those things can only go on for so long. I think those things should yeah yeah they disintegrate over time. Um,
1: yeah yeah the the Friday Write Club is fun.
0: It is fun. I I got some helpful notes from those things. I wrote a lot during quarantine. Actually, did you That's like good. were you able to write?
1: Like on and off. I feel like it's a little frustrating because like i'll write a bunch of stuff but then i'll i'll want to work on it and Uh i feel like it is still helpful obviously to do zoom mics and zoom shows but it's definitely harder to use the feedback so i feel like i'm writing stuff but it's not necessarily evolving in the way i want it to
0: i understand i think i understand what you mean having those like writing meetings um I, like, I was in like three groups, you know, and, uh, was a lot. yeah, it was a lot. That's why I'm <laughs> not in any anymore, but, uh, it was helpful in the sense that like, um, you get feedback regularly and you know, we were meeting daily, if not every week. So regularly. And like during the course of the week when we're not meeting, I would be rewriting or making adjustments, you know? Yeah. So, um, in that regard, it was helpful you know, and that kind of gets you in a rhythm and kind of gets you in this mindset. And, you know, I think all those things helped. But I agree with you that um, not all of that will translate onto the stage and into laughs. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in a live setting. Yeah.
1: Right. I had um, when we were doing the outdoor mic Mm -hmm. that you came to. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, so helpful even though it was only obviously a handful of people it was just like so helpful to yes. do it in person it again was and just like try to grow that muscle back yeah um so we stopped doing that in november when the numbers got really bad again but i hope as things improve we can do that again because that also just had the consistency that say our writers meeting gives you because i just knew twice a week i would have to have material and i, mm. I feel like just having that fire and then get back getting back into that routine because like Mm -hmm. think about our lives before this like we were always doing comedy like every
0: night every night every night like after work or after 4 p.m like my schedule would be i had to finish everything before four because after four i had places to be things to do places to go and that was our fucking lives and then like when everything stopped i was just like it was like a shock to the system and to the mind yeah. and to everything. Yeah. To the spirit. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> do you
1: feel like, how do you feel looking at going back to that again?
0: You know, like there is a part of me that feels a little bit lazy about it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the unfortunate thing, right? Cause it's like, it's like wheels need to be constantly greased and turning. Otherwise they will rust and, you know, mm-hmm. get clunky or just not work and that's the the so-called grind that we comics are talking about it's not so much the writing the performance like that's a given but it's really the Mm -hmm. getting in your car getting mentally prepared driving over to the thing dealing with people like you know that kind of piss you off or dealing with you know it's like that that the motion sitting Sitting, yeah (laughs) waiting the yeah. that is the grind that we're talking about and yeah. we haven't done it in a year and it's yeah. like the wild. the thought of getting back into that it, it is frightening it is intimidating and it does make me go like fuck you know but on the other hand it's like i know that that is what i want to get back to you know it's kind of like uh not working out for a year and then having to work out again right
1: yeah it's exactly like
0: that
1: 100% yeah I feel that same kind of like laziness and then I think the rustiness fuels the laziness. It does. So it's that kind of like perpetuating cycle. Because some of it is the
0: fear and the insecurity, right? Right. it's cause like, it's
1: like I, I know, same if you're not working out for a year, you're like, I yeah. know I'm going to start again, yeah. not nearly as fast or strong as where I was yeah, before.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I did take like a brief trip to New York in October
1: that's
0: awesome and that was fun i think i did like two or three shows that was great that felt great yeah
1: wow, that must have been insane it was insane Do they just have like more stuff going on there than here
0: at the time yeah like new york's yeah. numbers were down in the summer and fall whereas la was just consistently going up we're just, yeah. we're pigs and yeah. um <laughs> Yeah, it was just nice like being in a city where I could just be outside and walk around and sit outside and you know, it was just nice and then they had these like rooftop mics and backyard mics and I and park um, shows and stuff so like it was fun doing that. Um, But yeah, like when the first time went up on stage and I took the mic, I my mind was blank like I'd forgotten everything, you know, I had rehearsed I had rehearsed all day, you know, but like, I'd forgotten everything so like in between. I would have to like chit chat and, you know, wait for it to come back. And it eventually did, you know, so that was a good lesson in the sense that I was like, oh, like it is in me. I know it. It's just like I need a little bit of stimuli here and there until it comes back, you know. So the lesson there was like, oh, like I could trust myself and I'll be fine. That was good. But I did notice that like I had forgotten everything at certain points, like completely forgotten it. Things that I'd done for years. I was like, I forgot them. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I was thinking that, too, because it's almost like you're atrophying in a way where, like, I don't have, like, the jokes that or even just, like, the thought process that I know that I normally have on stage. Mm -hmm. I assume that I've had it. But since I haven't been using it, it's been Mm -hmm. atrophying. Yeah. So if I'm doing, like, a Zoom show or something, and I prepare with the same amount of time that I would have prepared before, like, before I could, like, throw something together yeah and i like think i can do that and then Mm -hmm. it's like oh holy shit no i can't because Mm -hmm. i need to actually go through each step because i don't have that like right right like in my head Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that's a good point that part of the brain is a muscle too you're right like getting into that mindset the ability to Mm-hmm. go into the little Rolodex in your mind and pull that stuff out the ability yeah. to read the room and then understand okay these aren't working let me dip into a different category or a different bin right. of jokes right now that is that is in and of itself a muscle the the understanding and the reading and all of that yeah and that was yeah. like all shut down you yeah. but um but it was a grand old time like the reward of live laughter, even if it was like four people, it was bliss. Like I was blissed out, man. Like the Zoom stuff does not. There were some Zoom shows where there were literally like 50, 60 people, you know? And then what, like two, three people have their mics on and they laugh or people write yeah. LOL on the show? I was like, that, that doesn't cut it. It's like a and pointless. It doesn't
1: really work. So you're not getting all. Yes. You're not getting the right sound. Yeah. <laughs>
0: timing uh, is all off amazing. it is like yeah. a drug a hundred percent a hundred percent like there's no denying that it is right so many comics were addicts of other substances totally. and so many comics are sober quote unquote right <laughs> but they will admit that you know getting laughs is the drug it that is the high that gets them through yeah. um yeah, I wonder how many comics fell off the wagon during the pandemic, right? Actually, now that's starting to yeah, that's, worry me.
1: Yeah, that's probably, um, that's probably a big thing.
0: Were you drinking a lot during this quarantine?
1: I definitely feel like I drink more during quarantine than I do normally. But I'm also not really like going out. You know, not that I, like, what was I doing before? I wasn't going out before. Like, I wasn't going clubbing. Like, back before when I was, like, super cool and I was out until 2- 2 a.m. No. But, yeah, I definitely feel like yeah. there, there's, like, times where I'm, like, okay. Like, you don't need to, like, uh, drink just to drink or something.
0: Yeah. I think what that's you? good. You have that mindfulness. Well, I was getting smashed, you know? Like... <laughs> Once things shut down, I was like, I went through this terrible grieving mourning period. Did you go through that kind of grieving period when everything was flipped over and everything stopped?
1: Maybe, but I I think for me it was worse after the initial part. Like, I feel like the beginning it was like, okay, this is just for a little bit. We're just like cozying up and then I more hit a wall. But you're saying like right at the beginning you were feeling it.
0: Well, I mean, it depends on our definition of beginning, right? Because it was beginning technically in the winter, like January, February. It was happening and I kept denying it. I was like, it's not going to last. I had a tour in April. I had a tour planned out in April that Uh, I've been planning since the fall. And and on top of that, I had an academic conference and I was just like, it's going to die down in three weeks. By three weeks, it'll be gone. You know, I was in firm denial. And then conference got canceled. The all the venues were like, yeah, we're shutting down. Uh so everything got canceled and I just like you know, I was like forced to accept it. So I was like I was crying a lot. I was like watching Korean dramas and like hysterically crying, just bawling my fucking eyes out. And um and then I was like, okay, fine. Like this is just an opportunity for me to like just sit at home and like get fat and like get wasted and So I was like, yeah, I was drinking a lot, (laughs) you know, but then um, you also hit a wall there too. Like I started feeling pathetic. I was like, I am shit faced right now and I'm by myself in my, you know, what am I doing? I felt like an ass. I was like, stop it, Grace. You know, so um, I stopped drinking, but um, I still enjoy the occasional Chiba. Um, Uh Yeah. Yeah. But that's also a slippery slope, I think. Um so I'm trying to be more aware of it. But yeah, I kind of it, stopped it's hard drinking. I feel
1: like I need something.
0: <sighs> we all need something. Yeah. We all need something. Yeah. And I think it we also do. breaks up
1: the day. Like think about it. Normally at night you would be like we said going to do comedy, but now mm-hmm. it's like what delineates the evening? What's my like reward at the end of the day? How am I going to unwind? Yeah
0: exactly well what is your reward for the day nowadays right now
1: i mean i'm still a fan of a glass of wine or something um nice dude i i watch probably like too much tv nowadays
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean we all do
1: too much yeah but like sometimes tv is just like also another way to like turn off your brain by like engaging it obviously yes so mm-hmm. um, right now I'm watching Billions. I'm almost caught up. Have you watched that?
0: Okay, that's cool. I don't yeah. even know what that is. But... Uh, it's
1: just like a TV show about like finance people. <laughs> that's good. Okay.
0: So it helps. It keeps your mind stimulated.
1: <laughs> huh. You know, it just like it's interesting, but it's not like crazy. Okay. Um, kind of
0: learning something.
1: Yeah, for a while I was like into whatever, like weird, like. I bought an embroidery kit and did, like, <laughs> some of yes. it. But then I got my dog, so that was better. Oh, right. Oh, you yeah, got a pup. What do. yeah, that's I <laughs> That's my thing at the end of the day. I mean, it's my thing all day. I'm yeah. obsessed with my dog. She's the best yeah. I love. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my, like, one of my number one favorite things to do. Why did you
0: wait so long? To get a dog? Yeah.
1: Because I feel like it was because I was, like, never home. So, I didn't. oh okay so that'll be interesting afterwards but I'll do anything for her She's it will be enjoy um yeah and like going to the dog park is honestly yes. so fun because it's like <laughs> yeah my friend who also just got a dog was like this makes me scared that I can't have kids because I get so happy when when she was saying she gets so happy when she like sees her dog like playing with someone and like yeah. learning things and she's like i can't even yeah. imagine with a child but just like going uh, to the dog park it's yeah just happiness because all these dogs like running around and like playing and yeah so i love that
0: they're all happy of course you're going to be happy looking at yeah. that like who would yeah. smile at a park full of dogs just being joyful shit sounds probably, beautiful
1: had i known i probably would have been like that creepy person at a dog park without a dog before i had mm-hmm.
0: one. yeah like a dog pedophile
1: yeah 100 percent. yeah
0: yeah they should come up with a word for that like a dog pedophile like um what's the latin word for dog um canine is canine dog no is I don't that that no, is right. canine
1: canine
0: file well ca- canine canine file yeah yeah but it needs to be like inappropriate but that like...
1: Just sounds like you're really into them it doesn't sound like you're creepy. yeah you just
0: sound like a dog lover yeah canine lover yeah. no like um it needs to be <laughs> yeah it needs to be a little bit inappropriate like yeah, pedophile but, uh, is inappropriate because it's like a child like... lover bitchophile okay uh, <laughs> hound gazer
1: bitch actually means yeah
0: it's funny you mentioned that i was like i was thinking because i was i was going for a walk and i was thinking back to like a friend of mine a childhood friend she was dating a loser a loser guy and she had a really cute dog named cookie and cookie's a girl dog and she told me that cookie was humping her boyfriend and i thought in my head i should have said that's all he's worth you know a bitch humping his leg (laughs) like she never had sex with him you know it's like like he's not even worth like sex with you like he's just worth your pet dog humping his fucking foot that's it he really was though he was the worst he would tell her oh yeah he's like totally out of the picture she's married to a great guy uh has twin boys you know she's great this was like years ago like high school you know um like when they were dating yeah she was like the worst like she said she wanted to break up with him like a month in but this bitch stayed with him for like over a year like almost two years and he gave her so many promise rings that she had to wear them as a necklace around her neck and i said to her those are chains chains keeping you choked up and when she finally dumped him, I was like, yo, like, I suddenly have so much respect for you. I thought you were never going to get out of those woods. And she was oh. like, I honestly wanted to leave him a month into the relationship. I was like, and you let yourself suffer through for over a year. And so that is why I would have said something like, that's all you're worth. A dog humping your fucking foot. You're never going to get to hump my friend. No. <laughs> She's never going to give oh. it up. <laughs> uh,
1: when you said she- not to she him with him. For a month, and then she was with him for a year. Reminded me of my first therapist. I just feel like that stuff. You're just like, what? I'm here. here Okay, so so you
0: have you have similar issues. Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mmm, that's so interesting. Oh my god, that's so interesting. That I was thinking about this particular person because you said the word bitch, and then this this story triggered you the therapist situation because it's actually similar to the Hawaii situation where I I left like (laughs) I like, I I like, I packed it up and I bounced and then you were like I'm still here I was like it's been 35 minutes why are you still there you're like I can't I can't leave I was like I was like you have every right to leave it's your choice your body your mind your rules you can leave get out of there
1: Contrary to what I may have led you to believe in taking the easy road, I am committed to the Hawaii comedy tour and I will put in the work to make those connections happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, take me take me with you. I, If you do a Hawaii comedy tour, I would be like so jealous. I'd be like, yeah, I wish I was there. Um, no, I get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are benefits to both, right? Like being really like, so down to a fault, quote-unquote a fault, um, enables you to be more so, soci- like more sociable, more friendly, more amicable, more uh, approachable, blah, blah, blah. That's why I say you would be a good producer, because that's what a pro- producer is supposed to do. It's literally yeah. to, like, calm everybody down and be supportive and stroke people's egos. Uh, but, like, I'm a little bit of a straight shooter and... You know, whereas, like, I can be more efficient, right? Um, The downside is, like, half the people hate me. (laughs) They fucking hate me, hate me, or and or are terrified of me, you know? So um, there are benefits to both, I think. Yeah, I respect both.
1: But I think there's, like, also a middle ground where you have a nice and efficient... Not that you didn't, but I think if I had just had like a way to get out of it without offending them, I would have taken it much sooner. Which isn't to say that you offended them, but yeah,
0: I know I didn't. Like, <laughs> what I know I didn't,
1: but like, I because it like...
0: was over, right? It was technically yes, over, like, but they were all chatty, they wanted to it chat. It
1: there's no pause for me to answer yeah. like oh my gosh I gotta go so great meeting you guys so I didn't want to do like mm-hmm. the Irish exit which but I have the same thing where it's like I was really it's like realizing this in a social situation recently um when I'm ready to go like I'm yeah. ready to go and all I can think oh, yeah. about is that I'm ready to go and people aren't letting me go you know what I mean like if.
0: oh and people home, aren't letting you go oh. but sometimes it's
1: like people don't care like if I'm if I'm at, you know, an event, I'll just, like, bounce when I'm done. You know what I mean? Like
0: Right. There are a lot of people. They won't notice.
1: Right. But that's kind of, like, in that situation where you're, like, in the, or, like, I'm in the open mic. I'm, like, all I can think about is how badly I want to get out, even though it's, like, not that bad. Right.
0: Mm, Interesting. Even when it's I not that bad, it, you still want to get the hell out.
1: Yeah. But I guess we've already established it kind of was that bad. so.
0: That mic was a little bit bad. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad as in like, oh, they all sucked. And like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking more like they were a little too chatty for my, for my taste at that particular time. Like, I didn't have the capacity to deal with their emotional and social problems, which they kept throwing out there. And I'm like, you know, I have my sense of boundaries now. And I'm not really willing. Because I'm very... And I I only learned of this thing about myself recently, you know, Mm I'm, I'm a high empath. Like I'm very like, you know, I'm, I'm an empath and like, I thought I wasn't, but the reason why I will shut down and like leave or ignore or do whatever is to protect myself because I absorb that energy so quickly and so intensely that I need to protect myself and my sanity, you know? Yeah. So when I saw these women, like, I could already tell. I was like, oh, these are these types. Like, you know, it's happening. I yeah. shut da- like, a part of me shut down completely. And I was looking for other distractions, which is why I was, like, messaging you. And I was, like, yeah. you know, on the phone. And I was doing other shit, yeah. you know? And then once they were like, okay, the mic's over. But we're going to talk. And I was like, all right, bye. Yeah. I just, like, left. I think I waved my hand. And I
1: just, like, clicked <laughs> exit.
0: which is you know yeah that could come off rude and um in the long run they'll remember your face more and this and that so yeah that is an investment but i mean you were going to say something about college you were like in college something blah 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 about wanting to leave and what was that oh
1: no just like in college i would like go to a party on the other side of campus and like you weren't supposed to walk home by yourself but i was like just like, you know, I'm mm. in college and then I was just like, bye! And then I would just like walk back yeah. to my dorm or
0: whatever. Yeah, you'd rather um, risk your life on the streets than be in right, that party for I, another minute.
1: Yeah. I yeah. um, oh, not think that's
0: stupid, I get it.
1: But, yeah, no, I agree. Sometimes you're just like, I don't, I don't have the, I feel for your, your, what you're going through right now. But I don't like, have
0: the capacity to engage with you Mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> I think all of us get a pass in that regard right now yeah. you know like um, I heard it somewhere on a podcast they were like people have the pass to not be a good friend right now you know like they have a get out of jail card for that right now and I was like I agree I think that's okay yeah. you know because like nobody is we were always just like not normal like you know just in, in general but like covid made that so much more enhanced right now you know like all of us when you are say we, Do you mean people or like people um... in general like everybody everybody in society you know like i don't think anybody is a perfect normal human being every single one of us have a little bit of psychosis in us but right now especially is like the time when people are unraveling unwinding radically changing you know It's just a a period where everybody's just like, really like just changing, you know? So um, yeah, I think it's okay for us to just be a little bit more, you know, protective of the self, let's put it that way. I think that's fine. Um, Yeah. So ease up on yourself, (laughs) (laughs) leave those Zoom meetings. I dare you to just leave a Zoom, like enter a Zoom meeting, just do your set and then just bounce. See how that feels, you know, (laughs) like just do it. I challenge Um... you. Amazing. like go first go first and then just leave that's so rude <laughs> like you have to listen to other stuff. Like, yes not... but think of how hard i would be laughing i would be dying laughing just knowing how that's driving laughing. you insane after you do it like you're suffering after like oh, i'd be dying laughing so fucking hard um yeah or i don't know if this helps like i don't know if this helps like think of it as people don't really care about you as much as you think, you know, as harsh as that might sound. It's freeing in a way it's liberating. Like after I do something and I feel bad, I'm like, "Ah, I just beat myself up about it. And they're like, I literally did not think about that. Like at all, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like suffering for seven years for something I did, you know? And they're like, I don't remember. So it's like people don't think about you as much as you think about yourself well, you know i don't know if that also helps the flip but... side
1: where i'm like oh that was so dope how grace left now i'm stuck here <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah <laughs> no, like no we could have
0: we could we should have we should have both i should have been like all right you leave first and okay. then i'll exit or something <laughs> yeah ne- next time i'll be more alert on that but okay all right um, I don't want to zoom you out too much. Let me ask you some flashcard questions. Um, so the show that I am focusing on for this episode is called All About Eve, which is the same title as a a film that came out in 1950, I believe. Um, so this this is a TV show. It's a Korean drama TV show. Came out in the year 2000, and. Uh, it's about two young women, very ambitious, um, They're rivals and uh, their dream is to become a news anchor. So that's the, the storyline. But let me ask you some questions based on the show and just answer it like in terms of like what you would do in that scenario. Um, so let's say you're a rich young man named Hyung Chul, and you're living in London. All right. You're from South Korea, but you're living in London and you have a I'm best right. friend yeah you have a a best friend from childhood her name is Juhi and you guys have been I mean she's a lady you've been friends for years all right for years but she loves you like she's like into you she wants to bone you she wants to marry you have your babies and she Mm -hmm. keeps making it very obvious that she she's you know trying to be physical with you but you don't like her like that you're not into her like that what do you do why don't Eh, she's not your type. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Why don't I like her like that? That's So interesting. What an interesting I question. Just, it's
1: just gonna, <laughs> then it's just that's how I know what I'm going to do next. Because if you're like, mm, oh, I see. She just, she's just heinous. Like that's one thing. Or if you're like, she's just so annoying. But I hear what you're. Saying. No, she's actually so,
0: really beautiful and of smart. Of course, she's an actress.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But
0: she's just not your type. She doesn't make you want to commit to her. Yeah. Whatever it is. It's just not there. Um, Do I
1: like women?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, you do.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um, Too many follow-up questions? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I think...
0: (laughs) The most I I ever received, yeah. Okay, (laughs) go ahead. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm on the same
1: page. What I would do is I would find... The hottest guy in London, totally her type, right? Mm. We'd all be hanging hanging out together and I'd help mm-hmm. make the sparks fly because then she's okay. going to fall in love with this amazing person and yeah. I'm going to be totally free uh, yeah. to live my life and knowing that I did the right thing, right? There you go. Um, yeah. And then we'll probably go on double dates one day. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So next time when you're stuck in a Zoom room, you could just find like, yeah, just get your husband to sit in for you and you just go off totally. and you'd be free. We look the same. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Problem solved. Okay. Sweet. So be her wingman is your answer, essentially.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Okay, great. So let's say you're a young woman named Sunmi. You're in London as well. Okay. You're a Korean chick, but you're in London studying abroad, learning English, traveling, doing your thing. And you meet... This young man, this young man named Chai, who is a couple years older than you. And he's a London person. So he like shows you around town, helps you out. He's overall very good to you. Uh, But while sitting at the park together one afternoon and just chatting, like he eats all of your lunch. Like everything, he eats all of it while talking. What do you do?
1: Interesting. I probably... Go in the bathroom and cry because I'm like, <laughs> like what's her vibe? This is the vibe that I'm going with because she's like a young actress. Um, go in the bathroom and cry because he was clearly calling me that. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> okay. Shit. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: But then. Got it. Let's see what mm-hmm. his follow up is. Then I decide if we get another, you know,
0: date. Mm, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, she, uh, she got mad at him. She was like, "Why'd you eat all my fucking food, dude?" And he felt know, bad, really so he either. he bought her a hat to compromise. I'm, and when I saw that, I was, was like, she, "That's not can food." She eat a hat? <laughs> exactly. Like she still hasn't <laughs> eaten lunch. You ate it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, "She can't eat that hat." Yeah, but okay. <laughs> Got it. I like the crying in the bathroom thing. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's I like it because it's weird. That's a weird answer.
1: It's like a right, and it's like a it's like a little bit of a melodrama, right? Is it?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, we need drama. Absolutely soapy. Yeah, yeah. Go and cry in the bathroom. Like I love that. That's amazing. Okay. Um, So let's say you're a poor girl in high school. Your name is Young Me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your mother's dead. Okay, and you have an alcoholic and abusive father but he died at work at a construction site where he used to work there was an accident and you have no family you have no money so you started working at a hostess bar and you dated one of the gangsters that run that bar uh, in order to get by you know oh your husband is part Japanese and you don't know what a hostess bar is that's so sweet that he kept those things from you uh, but <laughs> um but yeah when you one day I mean, have you been to japan yet
1: no
0: okay one day when you go to japan go to a hostess bar it's great i mean i haven't been to okay. one but it's great uh okay. basically it's like a bar where the servers are a little bit more than a server but they're not like all the way a prostitute you know they're okay. like they're like uh, in the middle ground of that. They flatter you and make you feel good, and blah blah. You get the picture. So yeah, that's where you worked at, and it's very, you know, it's obviously like very demeaning, and it's misogynistic, and it's awful. You get harassed, blah blah. blah you know, but okay. So you're working in this hostess bar. You have this gangster boyfriend. In order to survive, but you have drive, you have ambition. You want to be socially mobile. So you move into the construction company owner's house he offered okay because he has a daughter of his own and he's a widower and he just saw you as a high school girl much like his daughter he just didn't want to see you on the street so you move into his house and you meet his daughter sunmi the chick that was in london and you well, look at korea this now? bougie yeah yeah you're you're in korea right now young is in korea she she never got to go to london she didn't have that kind of privilege Uh, but you, you meet the daughter of this company owner of this company owner and this bougie ass bitch seems to have it all you know and she's always smiling and happy you hate her for it all right you want her life what do you do
1: Generally, am I like a pretty good person or kind of sketchy person? Oh,
0: no, I me mean, think of all the things you went through. You went through all those things and it didn't make you uh, proud of it. It made you resentful. We'll put it that way.
1: Okay. So I'm going to want some drama here. So I think mm-hmm. I'm going to plant something in the daughter's room, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. her dad hates, right?
0: Mm, okay. Um,
1: this is not what Rachel would do. This is what young me Is that? yeah yeah
0: did? young me yeah that's okay. yeah. what so young gonna, me would do yeah young me
1: okay so i'm gonna plant yeah. something in the room and yeah. then i'm going to
0: um frame the daughter um
1: yeah. and then she's gonna go to boarding school <laughs> probably <laughs> and then yeah. i'm going to move into her bedroom and take her shit all
0: right great okay any idea what you would plant you think
1: so the dad works at a construction company. I think, like, <laughs> I think, some marijuana because that's pretty sketchy there, right?
0: Oh yeah, it is so illegal. There's such squares. <laughs> They're like New York. It's so, like fucking make it legal already. All of you guys are smoking <laughs> it. Yeah. All right. Got it. Marijuana. That's a good one. Okay. Thank you. Got it. Okay. Um. Oh, okay. So you're you're back to being Sunmi, the bougie bitch, the nice girl, okay. okay? Your father is a widower. He's a good man. You have a neighbor, a childhood friend of yours, okay? A boy, mm-hmm. a man. His name is Woojin. And he's a couple years older than you are, but you've been in love with him forever, like, since you were kids. And one day you find out that he's dating the bitch girl, Youngmi. What do you do?
1: Well, I'm like... You know, I have all the Prada bags or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, young me, I'm assuming at this point hasn't planted marijuana in my bedroom. Not yet. So I'm just Mm-mm. gonna say, I'm gonna count my blessings. Go back to mm-hmm. London. See what he's up to.
0: Okay, the other guy, the one who ate your yeah. lunch. Yeah, got it. I'm done okay, crying that's watch it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're over it. It's like he wasn't calling me fat. I was just having him. I was on my period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah got it got it got it okay, I'm saying okay. Period. yeah i'm on my period yeah 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 <laughs> okay uh okay so you're back to young me the bitch girl and the old gangster thug your ex-boyfriend from your past life when you were at the hostess mm-hmm. bar he revisits you and uh now you're like a tv news anchor all right and he's blackmailing you and he's saying that he'll expose your past if you don't give him some money But you're on television. You have a reputation to preserve. What do you do?
1: I'm going to change the narrative, Grace. Okay. what I'm going to do is tell him, tell tell them about my past, right? Then I'm going to cut together a nice 60-minute special about my (laughs) overcoming adversity, and I'm going to air that shit. You know, I'm going to get in front of it. I'm going to own it. And no doubt, my celebrity is going to grow tenfold.
0: God damn. Yes, that's where your marketing skills are just kicking in right now. Full gear. Yes. I love it. (laughs) Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, that's right. You take a sip of water. You deserve that sip of water. (laughs) The power sip. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So you're back to Sunmi, the nice girl, the bougie girl. You find out that the director of the news station is the young man you met in London, the one who ate all your lunch. And he seems to like you. Huh?
1: This is the first well, time I recognize him.
0: Yeah, you didn't know. I mean, you guys are both back in Seoul now. You didn't know that like he was like this rich, like successful, high-powered dude. You just thought he was just some fella when you guys met. But well, he, like, you know, now you're working at the news station and you see that the director is him. Yeah. Um, wait, what were you going to say?
1: I was just going to say like I assumed he was poor cuz he couldn't afford lunch.
0: <laughs> Cause he ate all of yours, right? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, like rich people, like they are the stingiest. You know, like they'll that do is shit like so that. They'll true. like eat. Yeah. They'll eat other people's lunch. They won't pay for their thing. You know, it's always trying to get away. That's why they're rich. They you know, because they, because they keep their pockets, you know, close tight. Good for them. All right. <laughs> but uh, okay. So so you're 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 now this young anchor chick at this new station. You're just starting out. You're in the junior level, right? You have a lot of. Um, you know how do you say dues to pay so to speak uh your supervisor is the woman that he rejected the friend that he that was in love with him but he was just like not yeah that's uh. and she sees how you guys are dating and she she's jealous she's jealous so she takes it out on you by making your job a living hell what do you do
1: This is a tricky one.
0: Mm Mm-hmm It is.
1: I'm not gonna use him to like get back at her because Okay. You know, I'm a well travelled, smart, (laughs) ambitious woman. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, which one am I again? You're the you're the the nice girl.
0: No no no. You're the nice the the bitchy one is the one who worked at the bar. You're the one Who grew up kind of privileged and went to London and all that, yeah. Okay,
1: so we're both the news people.
0: Yeah. Turns, like, the young man that ate your lunch in London, turns out he, like, owns the news station that you're working at. You didn't know until you started working there, and your supervisor happens to be the woman that he rejected.
1: Right. 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 But my, like... What a pickle. (laughs) My foster sister Mm -hmm. is also a news anchor there.
0: She is. She's your rival at the news station, yeah.
1: Okay. So what I do is, Mm okay, so I'm a news anger woman. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure the camera is rolling next time she comes at me. You know what I mean? And that's going to be on Mm. live television. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, I think that problem is just going to take care of itself, you
0: know? All right. Yeah. Let the people decide.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. Yeah. You're into public shaming as revenge. (laughs) I'm noticing. Framing, public shaming. Okay, cool. (laughs) Those are your MOs. Okay. It's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I right, know these are great. I, I love these answers. Yeah, you you would have been a great writer. I think you should go back to writing. I think you're great. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay, so you're you're back to young me again, the bitch lady. All right, uh, mm-hmm. the childhood crush from of Sunmi, the rich girl Ujin, the one that you're dating. Um, mm-hmm. You dump him. You break his heart because not because you don't love him anymore. You just have your eyes set on the director guy, Hyungchar, the guy that's into sunmi all right the director of the news station that you're working at and uh you want him what what are you raising your hand do you have a question
1: i just like God. i inherently hate this guy because like every woman on the show is in love with him and i just hate whoever <laughs> all three this. it's just like yeah it's just like a male fantasy <laughs> <laughs>
0: But a woman wrote it. Yeah, a fucking lady wrote this shit. I know, girl. Come on, yeah. All three parts of her want this one guy apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So okay, so you like the reason why you want him is not because not only not because you like him per se because you're still in love with like Ujin the the original guy. Um, you want him because of the social mobility, but also because your rivals Hunmi she's in love with him too, all right? So you want to break up with your boyfriend, right? You want to end it so that you could hop on that horse. But your boyfriend is so, he's too passionate. He won't let you go. What do you do to get him to stop loving you?
1: Well, first of all, I'm just going to want to clarify to him that he does not own me, okay? So Mm. there is no letting me go. Am I right? Okay. That's right. And then... I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to think, wow, you know, you already planted marijuana in this girl's room, sent her to boarding school. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's take a beat and work on self-reflection, right? Because here I was working at this host bar and her dad saved me. So you would I'm going to take a moment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do some deep soul searching. I'm going to do um, mm. ayahuasca and Peru because I'm rich yes. now. Come yeah. back
0: mm-hmm. and be
1: like, I'm going to be with the person I love and I'm really sorry about that marijuana thing because I realize public shaming is not the way.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. That's beautiful. I love that ending. And I love that like ayahuasca was integrated. That's, uh <laughs> bravo. That's so fucking progressive of you. I love that. Um, okay. Have you done ayahuasca? Just curious. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Have you done... Have mushrooms you? or lsd
1: Mm-mm. one day though
0: you I haven't done will. you haven't done any psychedelics yet
1: Mm-mm. i'm very oh
0: you you and your husband should do it i think yeah well he you'd have can fun. do it
1: because he's like um what? he has like he does government stuff because he's an engineer oh uh, okay that sucks but i can do it but you another. can I'm, a, I'm also an independent woman you know
0: you are he doesn't own you you can go mm-hmm. and psychedelic up. You could go and yeah. enter the other dimensions and come back when you fucking please because yeah. you're your own woman. Um, yeah, I have done LSD and mushrooms. Ayahuasca, I want to do sometime in the future. But actually, I just got back. That's why I was in Big Bear. I was doing mushrooms up there um, with Kristen oh. Lundberg.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. But you've done it multiple times.
0: <sighs> hmm I've done what it. Yeah, I did was mushrooms it? a couple times before. I d- I did LSD three times before.
1: Yeah, I was think it it's a uh, good experience in Big Bear.
0: It was. Uh, I mean, I think all trips are good, you know. Like, or even if they are uncomfortable, ultimately it's still good, you know. It's like a medicinal adventure, so to speak so um this was a challenging trip i'll put it that way but Mm -hmm. like i learned a lot from it like this was the trip that um people write about you know what i'm saying like after this experience i was like i understand like what all those um modernists were doing in france and shit like i understand now like i like i said I, i i minored in philosophy in college right there was a class called existentialism and like modern philosophy or whatever. And they kept talking about like Sartre and like existential crisis. They kept talking about the dread. They kept talking about chaos and confusion and aloneness and this feeling of being hurled out into, hurled out into space and realizing that there's no meaning or uh, there's just nothingness. Like they talked about it as if it was just happening, like, because of the war, you know? But they did not mention that fucking SART did psychedelics, you know? And I'm like, you left out such a huge piece to the yeah. whole thing, you know? Like, yeah. it's a hu- humongous piece that they left out. And I'm like, how can you lie to us in school? I felt betrayed. I felt betrayed by my institution and my education, because I was like, so you left though. out such a, yeah. it was such a major, it's like saying, you know, like the opposite. Let's say like, they would just say, oh, this just happened. And like these guys, they didn't even experience World War II. They were just like hanging out in a hut somewhere, you know? Like yeah. it's, it's as if saying that, like that, that would have been just as appropriate the way that they taught it. And I was like, after this experience, like I understood like all the artists that I loved from that era, like you know, I love um like Eve Tungy and like his weird abstract paintings, and i I was drawn to them, but I didn't know like I didn't understand what it was. I just thought, oh, pretty colors and shapes. Now I'm like, I fully <laughs> understand, I fully recognize what that is, you know, fully, I completely get it. Although I can't quite put it into words, you know what I mean? It's like that, yeah. and I'm just like. Anyway, it's like going off on a long ass tangent. Anyway, I think I think um I think, I think uh, it'd be great for you. I think you would enjoy it a lot. Yeah. So if you wanna get into it, like we could talk about it some more, and I could put you in touch with people and recommend books and shit if you wanna like research, which I think is always a good idea before people do it. But um, anyway, um, okay, just a couple more and then we'll wrap up this is going on for a really long time actually sorry uh, I'm,
1: I'm really dragging out my answers
0: no time. no you it's not you it's really it's me and it's it's a fun conversation like i don't mind it yeah. um so okay so you're you're Ujin. you're the guy that's in love with this bitch lady okay mm-hmm. um you're just a poor guy in love with this bitchy fucking bitch all right and mm-hmm. young me the bitch she tells you that she's pregnant Right. She's pregnant with your baby, she says. But one day, she calls you to the hospital she's at. And when you get there, she's lied, She's laying on a, a hospital bed and she tells you that she aborted your child because she doesn't love you anymore and she wants you out of her life. What do you do?
1: I am horrified. <laughs> Especially after I made the decision to stop public shaming.
0: Yeah. And- after really your ayahuasca relieved. experience all it all went yeah. out the window.
1: <sighs> it's really hard when two writers are working on the same <laughs> piece and not communicating. <laughs> you know.
0: I know and there's like a 20 year gap between you two. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: really hard. Um, Man. Well, first of all, bitch needs to go. <laughs> so, I okay. I'm, I'm going to say sorry um not sorry. Well, obviously, we're breaking up, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's um, the final straw. I'm sad about the baby. That's really dark. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask her for the info about the Peruvian ayahuasca experience because I really <laughs> need something to get back on track. I'm <laughs> <And> like, well. <sighs> yeah. And I need to meet a woman who cares about me and doesn't abort a child to make me sad. Like, Mm I'm pro-abortion, but that is a really, really weird way to use it. Very, very yeah, rude. Yeah, Um, to
0: be vindictive with your abortion decision. A
1: vindictive abortion is, ooh, it's a bad look. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's what I'm going to do. And then, um, yeah okay is that yeah is that enough okay
0: i think that's enough i think that's appropriate okay. too want to know and the also, fucked up just thing
1: like while i'm in the hospital i'm gonna go to the cafeteria and get a cup of coffee i'm yeah. gonna make sure it's not scalding hot because i don't want to go to prison <laughs> and i'm just gonna splash it
0: on her oh okay yeah yeah yeah. of course yeah classic <laughs> water thing Yeah, yeah yeah gotta yeah. do it good yeah. that would be a good moment for that you're right you want to know the most fucked up thing about this situation the scenario the scene mm-hmm. She wasn't even pregnant in the first place. She made the. I was the almost whole... gonna say, ah. She made the whole thing up just to fuck with him. So how? Just you get to ruin hospital?
1: his. Just, like, let me. She, I paid
0: somebody, I guess. Yeah, probably. Oh, I think she was like, "Oh, like I need an IV bag because I'm dehydrated or whatever," and yeah. there, the nurse was like, "Okay," and put her down. And then he, she called him and was like, "I just had an abortion." <laughs>
1: also dope hospital
0: yeah it was like oh, it's like a IV spa bag. okay dude every time i i drank the next morning i'd be like i wish i had a nurse and a an iv bag right now um i actually heard that there's a bus in las vegas that does that for people
1: in um, billions the show i was talking about someone launches a business to do that
0: it's an ingenious idea it's ingenious and uh They charge up to like four or five hundred dollars an IV bag, and people, when you're hungover and it feels like death, they're willing to pay that to feel better. Mm -hmm. I would have. There were so many times when I wanted an IV bag. I don't
1: think I would have. I'm so cheap. (laughs) (laughs) I would (laughs) have.
0: Yes, just wait it out. The Zoom is almost over. It's okay. Just wait it out. Yeah, I get it. All right. Good. Last and final question. All right. You're you're st- you're this bitch lady. You're young me again. Okay. Your old gangster I boyfriend. Uh-huh. I know. But she's the one with all the drama. So um, your old gangster boyfriend tries to kill you. Okay. While you're out on the field doing an outdoor thing. He tries to run you over with a car. But your ex-boyfriend, Uchin pushes you out of the way. <laughs> gets gets killed instead he dies all right and everything about your past gets exposed people are blaming you for ujin's death now what do you do
1: Hmm. well i'm just thinking like the 60 minutes approach worked for me last time where i like revealed everything but um i don't think that's gonna help me in this scenario Uh, Mm -hmm. so what I'm going to do is accept what I've done wrong. Okay. Hmm. Um, set up a scholarship in his name.
0: Okay, Um, great. Some
1: rich news anchor now, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, So do something, do something good mm -hmm. to repent or whatever.
1: And and that's going to look really good for me. So they're going to offer me like to be (laughs) (laughs) myself again, you know, work and public perception. But I'm going to say no, Um, Uh, and then I'm going to go live a simple life.
0: mm Hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. That's good. Okay. Thanks. All right. Sweet. Thanks for chatting with me, Rachel. This was fun.
1: Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks
0: for having me. Next week, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about The Cho Show, which is on FX. You could also see it on Hulu. If you're abroad, I don't know how you can watch that show, but I'm sure you could pirate it somehow. It's worth watching if you can't watch the cho show then look up interviews that david cho did with bobby lee on tiger belly or look up the interview that he did last year with joe rogan i am not a fan of joe rogan at all i'm not a fan of joe rogan's comedy i'm not a fan of joe rogan's podcast but i am a fan of david cho and i liked this interview that he did with rogan last year um there's a lot of content David Cho content on YouTube you could just find it you could watch the Stevie Weeby show that you know David Cho was a guest on that was actually too much for me I was like this is this is a lot it's actually like David Cho's being really annoying on this podcast with Stevie Weeby right now so like I don't I almost don't want to watch it Stevie Stephen Lee or Stevie Weeby from Stevie Weeby show he is uh, the lead singer of Mang Chi which is the same band that David Cho is the drummer in and uh He's also Bobby Lee's younger brother. In fact, David Cho's name is not even David Cho; it's David Chit, and I'll talk about that next week as well. But check out David David Cho's show, the Cho Show, and um, I will talk about it next week. But in the meantime, you can subscribe to YouTube for K Drama School. Like, please subscribe. I'm begging you. Um, you can follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at K Drama School. You can email me kdramaschool.gmail.com. If there's anything you want to talk to me about, if you want to ask me something, if you want to just share something, email me. I read all your emails. I swear to God, I read them. I read them and then I do what I can to, you know, adapt and respond to them and react to them. And I put it in this podcast. So please email me, kdramaschool.gmail.com. And uh, as always, I am grateful to every single one of you who listen every week. I It means a lot to me, so thank you, and I will see you all next week.